Welcome to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ with Dr. Kirby Stewart. Join the conversation. Call or text now at 512-836-0590. Now, here's your host, Kirby Stewart. And good afternoon. It is 12.05 and welcome to the Recovery Hour. The only thing we're missing today is Dr. Stewart. He is visiting some family this weekend. Uh, I'm Mark Myers with Personal Responsibility Recovery. We're a, we're a small 12-bed residential treatment for substance use disorder and uh, probably one of the only clinical uh, and clinical meaningful medical that we can uh, really approach the disease of addiction and do it from a way that a lot of treatment centers don't. And since Dr. Stewart is not with us today, we, uh, we thought we would take a moment and, and invite two of the rock stars that are actually part of our program. Uh, actually, the clinical director, uh, Susan Turner, is with us this morning, and also one of our counselors that, that is just an amazing part of our team, uh, Dr. Duke. And we're gonna we're gonna get in and visit with him in a couple of minutes. Uh, as always, we we bring you the recovery hour to help address substance use disorder, to help address the opioid epidemic, help address what has become the leading cause of death in the eighteen to forty year old, forty five year old range. Now, um, you know we have we have a nine eleven style crisis happening every two weeks in this country. Over one hundred twenty thousand. Um, died last year, according to CDC, and you know we're we're in the business of drug and alcohol substance use treatment. It's a multi-billion-dollar corporations uh, run this each year, and and nationally we have an 85 percent failure rate, and uh, we have to do better. And that's why our that's why we were we were funded or founded, I should say. Um, is to try and do better. And one of the ways we want to do that is by bringing some resources to folks. So if you want to join our conversation today, please, 512-836-0590. Call or text. We've got a couple of the most qualified people I've ever seen sitting across from me in the studio today. And uh, just just kind of want to introduce Susan Turner, our clinical director, and, and how how did you even find us? <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny story, Mark. Um, I was on the internet, and not that's not my forte, not something I usually do. Um, and saw that there was a treatment center in Bertram, Texas. I live outside of Bertram, and I thought, no, there isn't. I would have seen it. I would have known about it. We're kind of new. <laughs> so I clicked on it, and sure enough, it was a beautiful, beautiful piece of property. Um, not the only reason I pursued it even further, but uh, it really intrigued me that it was a small facility, um, men only, um, and with my background of uh, 34 years in clinical social work, I thought, hmm, let me pursue this even further. So, And we're so glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> I retired from the VA a year and a half prior um, and was doing some military family life counseling in schools and realized that that really wasn't what I truly love to do, that uh, addiction uh, therapy is really what I love to do, just retired from the VA from doing that for about 10 years. So um, the rest is kind of history. 
and and so far it's been a history that I just love being part of and watching. Uh, I know that that you know the the clinical aspect of what we do is so different than the clinical aspect of what a lot of treatment centers do. And and you know, Doctor Duke, you're such an important part of that because very very few centers are going to have a medical doctor that is also a PhD in psychology that is also a fellow of addiction medicine as a counselor. Wow. I, I don't know how we got that lucky, but uh, welcome. Thank you for taking time out of your Sunday to visit with us a little bit this morning. Well, thank you for inviting me. I uh, enjoy this very much to get the word out about addiction recovery. So many people think that addiction is just uh, a trouble with willpower and that people just, if they just had the willpower, they wouldn't have any trouble with addiction. The bottom line is, it's an inherited disease. If you ask anybody that's in recovery, who else in their family has trouble with this disease? They'll tell you several people. Some people will say, oh, everybody. Uh, that's my case. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So th- that's one of the main things I point out to people is that this is a disease. It is a chronic disease. It th- is. It I, is. And, you, and you've done this for a while. Yes, I have. Uh, the reason I have both doctorates is because when I was a young woman, uh, women weren't allowed into medical school. There'd not be two out of a hundred in a class that were female. So when I asked uh, to, to start medical school, the registrar of one of our big medical schools said to me, oh, my dear young woman, we don't take women your age who have only one child. <laughs> I guess they thought I was going to have a whole bunch more and not go to bit work. I still have only one child. <laughs> And you still go to work. <laughs> and I still go to work. And I worked as an ER doctor for a number of years, I think about 30. And then a friend of mine who was a doctor in recovery had a recovery office, and he knew my background in psychology, and he said, would you like to come work with us? And since I was working ER, I could do both. And I just, it just overwhelmed me. I loved working with the people with substance abuse. They're good people with a very bad disease. And Dr. Loving, our medical director, I think part of the fit here is that he so shares your views mm-hmm. and and shares uh, Susan's views that, you know, this is a chronic brain disease. Mm-hmm. It is a, not a moral deficiency. It's I never woke up, and, and I am in recovery. I, I break my anonymity, so to speak. I've, I've been part of this recovery community for about 38 years here in uh, Central Texas. And, you know, I, I never woke up and thought, gee, I'm going to go pound down 24 beers today and get arrested for fun. Um, quite the opposite. I would tell myself I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And then I was off to the races, and, and it was just something that was not a decision even. It, it, uh, that power of choice was removed for me, um, and that became a, a just, as you say, a chronic lifestyle uh, for years mm-hmm. until I ended up in the Austin State Hospital, which uh, our facility is a little gentler landing than the Austin State Hospital was back in the 80s, mm-hmm. but what a fabulous program that got me here and got me working in the field of recovery. So I, I know we've, we've 
kind of cover a little bit of background on here, and I'm, I'm so glad that y'all are, are here today. And I, I think what we may want to do, Susan, you, you've been with the VA for a long time. Is it a fair statement to say that trauma fits into recovery almost every time? Uh, yes. Um, I won't use an absolute and say every time, but um, high probability that there's trauma uh, related to substance abuse. Um, and yes, I worked with both at the VA, um, and many times they're medicating the trauma that they experience, either as a young child, or in war, in battle, um, or in um, with veterans, which shocked me the most when I went to work for the VA, is that sexual abuse is not only a female issue, it is also a male issue in the, in the military. Absolutely. Uh, and they have a hard time dealing with that peace and that trauma. Mm. And so they end up using for a long time, and a long time. to deal with that shame. Mm. And that's, that's one of the, again, one of the keys. And, and I, I hope folks join us today. 512-836-0590, of course, on News Radio KLBJ. Um, I know that trauma is such an amazing part of, uh, I believe, Dr. Duke, I think they call it self-medicating. And yes. it's, it's just trying to, trying to go one foot in front of the other, and sometimes that's so embedded. And until that is addressed, until that is dealt with, you can go to 30 different treatment facilities. In fact, we see people who have gone to 8, 10, 12 mm-hmm because they're treating only the substance use disorder and not the underlying psychological or the underlying medical, which is something that that both of you folks are so amazingly qualified to do and we're so fortunate to have. We're going to uh, take a little quick break here and uh, when we come back, I think maybe talk a little bit more about that. So again, join us 512-836-0. 590 call or text and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes like what you hear make sure you never miss a show every sunday at noon go to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com to learn more now back to the recovery hour on news radio klbj with dr kirby stewart and i'm mark myers with personal responsibility recovery and again thank you for joining us it's uh, about 12 18 on klbj sunday morning uh, Join us at 512-836-0590, call or text. Uh, you know, again, one of the biggest, biggest purposes of this show is to destigmatize the disease of addiction, to uh, kind of demystify it, maybe a little bit, even normalize conversations about addiction. Because conversations about substance use, it, it always seems like those are the ones that are kind of whispered in the corner among family members. And, you know, you, you, they'll whisper here and there in the office setting or... It's a disease. We don't whisper about other diseases. It is the elephant in the room. It's it's the leading cause of death. It's uh, you know, not only not only do I want to talk about that elephant, I, I I'll put a hat on it and dance with it. It uh, we need to address substance use disorder. And Dr. Duke, if 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 I may, I I think that a lot of that is underlying psychiatric issues or underlying medical issues, underlying family issues. There's, there's so much more to the disease of addiction than we talk about. 
in, in a normal setting? I would say all of the above. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they are all factors in substance, <coughs> substance abuse. One, they have the genetics. The first time they use a drug, drink with a drink, it does things for them that it doesn't for people who don't have those genetics. It's like, I can eat a, all the candy I want and I don't have any trouble with diabetes. My blood sugar doesn't go wild, but that's not the same for a pe- person that has inherited the substance use disorder. I can honestly say I smoked my first joint when I was 11 years old. Mm-hmm. I know my daughter is listening today, um, <laughs> but I did. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. I, it was the solution to every problem in my young adolescent life. Mm-hmm. And I chased that same feeling for years with disastrous results. But the reward of that feeling mm-hmm. was so powerful, I had to have that feeling at all cost. And there was probably a lot of underlying issues that went with that. That's, that's very common, too. Uh, because this is an inherited disease, it's a generational disease. So you, we can trace it back through generations. And so uh, one would be to say, you know, my mom or my dad had the same disease. And his dad or her dad had this disease. So their skills with raising children are sometimes not the very best. And it's not that they don't want to be good parents, they don't know how to. Plus, if they're still active in their disease, that's a factor too in trying to raise children. It's a whole ball of wax. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know medically, we have to sometimes treat that, but the psychology behind that or the psychological treatment, the trauma treatment. Mm-hmm. Susan, that's, I, know, I know that's kind of your area of, of specialty mm-hmm. <laughs> in addiction treatment. It is. Um, coming from a, a, a childhood home who my father was a, an alcoholic and grew up with uh, him and the family dynamics of an adult child of an alcoholic and a mother that had no idea what Al-Anon was mm-hmm. and a father that never got treatment. Um, he died at 62, weighing 89 pounds. Wow. Um, he was a hospital administrator. He was ex- successful until the disease took him. And as an adolescent, I was extremely angry, um, angry with him and had no idea about the disease concept or any reason other than he didn't love me. Mm-hmm. He, he loved the alcohol more the than moral failing. Him. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we see at personal recovery, responsibility recovery, um, we see people coming in who have the genetic predisposition of being um, a substance user, but also their parents. Often. Um, And so they're angry about growing up in an alcoholic or drug-using home, yet they're falling into the same footsteps and can't stop it. It's, it's sort of like a snowball. It just, it just gets bigger and bigger. And it's just been in the last few years that we have found out that this is a genetic disease. So Absol- for many years, we, Absolutely. we just kept saying, quit being a bad person, quit being a bad person. Stop drinking. Stop drinking, stop drinking. You know, and it's just not that easy for those people. No, my dad's family, there were 12 kids, um, nine lived to adulthood, all 
had substance use issues except two that abstained. And another factor is the young people then think it's some, for some reason it's their fault that their yeah. parents uh, aren't as supportive as, they, as I'm sure the parents would like to be, but they're struggling with the same disease. And it's just difficult for everybody in that situation. And we have to work with our clients with, it's not your fault you have this disease. Well, and we also, I, I know that a lot of treatment centers offer, you know, one family session or two family sessions. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, so much of what we do, I, I often turn around and, and see people on the, at the center and, and they're there for a family session. And you can tell the difference so much because it's, it's nobody's fault. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the big thing. Neither of my parents were active in addiction. It's pretty rampant in my family, um, in an extended family, but my parents weren't. And they had no clue how to deal with someone who was an addict. Mm -hmm. They just didn't have any clue. They didn't have the education. They didn't have the tools in their tool bag. And I think that's what's so important about discussing substance use disorder is it's exactly that. It's a disorder. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a mental uh, it, it, it's in the DSM. I don't know which one we are up to now, five, six, seven. Um, but it's, uh, it is a chronic brain disease. Yes. And it has to be treated on an ongoing level. And like any disease, I mean, if, if I develop diabetes today, I have no idea what I would need to do to treat diabetes. I just don't. I don't have it. So I don't have the education and probably wouldn't understand all of the intricacies of treating that addiction. So a lot of what we do, and, and again, please join us at 512-836-0590, whether it's our center or another center or services, Blue Bonnet Trails, Cinecore, there's, there's so many, you know, Atomic Souls, an amazing group that we, we uh, like to partner with, uh, Rise Recovery, Not a Glum Lot with Patrick Hensley. There's so many folks that we have as resources, and we're a pretty good central spot mm -hmm. to explore those. Um, you know, again, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com, use us as that resource. We're there because, Susan, if I'm not mistaken, this is, this is a journey. This is not a 28-day deal. This is, this is how do you change your life to be able to continue on. A absolutely it we have a 28-day program and it's not over after 28 days the the journey has just begun and the learning and the process and you know we certainly encourage people to continue with um, outpatient therapy um, AA in a 12-step program we are deeply embedded um, with that process and believe it works because it has worked for so long. And, and we had a text that just came in that's an interesting text. Why in your experience, I don't know if you read this text, are you okay answering that question? Absolutely. And, and the text is, is to please ask Susan why you think you did not follow in those footsteps as an addict. Very good question. Um, I have three other siblings. None of us um, have the addiction. Um, but what I can tell you from research and the research I've read 
is that many times it skips a generation. And based on what I've read, the reason for that is that we lived it. And there was no way that I was going to become like my father. I'm very, very careful with alcohol or with any kind of drug that um, pain pills make me sick. So that's probably a good thing. Um, But we are all very, very careful. Um, Me being the youngest child saw the worst of his disease. Uh, And then I have a brother that's four and a half years older, and we both talk about it a lot. Education, maybe. Yeah, education absolutely. awareness uh, this is one of the things i i talk to our our clients about because most of them have children that they need to educate their children that there's a possibility they may have inherited this disease and be ready to help them deal with it if they have i talk to my nieces and nephews because they're the next generation, mm-hmm. and they didn't live with my dad, and they didn't see him really because he was gone before they got to old enough to know him. So yes, I'm very adamant in letting them know the strong genetic predisposition we have in our family. And you know, like any disease, we talk about cancer. Don't smoke. We talk about diabetes. Watch your diet. We talk about cholesterol. We talk about hypertension. We talk about all of these chronic diseases mm-hmm. And we openly talk about them with our children, with our families, but yet we don't talk about addiction nearly enough, in my opinion. And, you know, again, with the failure rate that's out there within the treatment, I think part of that is education and, and maybe part of its business models of, of I don't want to get into that, um, but it, it certainly, uh, we have to do a better job. And I think part of doing that better job is education. Uh, we're, we're up against a uh, quick break here in just a minute, so please join us, 512-836-0590. Uh, call or text. It is 1230 on News Radio KLBJ, and we will be back here in just uh, just a couple of minutes after the break. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss a show every Sunday at noon. Go to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com to learn more. Now, back to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ with Dr. Kirby Stewart. And thanks again for joining us for the Recovery Hour on this Sunday. It's uh, about 12.35 and KLBJ News Radio. Uh, call or text 512-836-0590 with any questions. <coughs> we are uh, visiting with Personal Responsibility Recovery's Clinical Director, Susan Turner, today, and uh, also Dr. Duke, one of our medical doctors and counselors, and, uh, you know, just having a a hard discussion because, you know, again, the disease of addiction has so much stigma to it. The substance use disorder, I think, is the new term, Um, but alcoholism, addiction, it has such a, a uh, well, a stigma. It it has a big stigma, and it's wrought full of shame. Susan, you were talking beforehand about how your your family never wanted it talked about even. No, it was not <laughs> something no. That, that, no, it was not something that was talked about in our family um, until his disease had progressed in such a chronic way that he was in the ER over and over again. Um, but no, we were not allowed to talk outside the home about his disease. And that carries such an inherent shame with it 
to the children, like like there's something wrong with the family because someone has a disease. Right, and there, for us, it was a lot of shame based. There is something wrong with this family, and um, you don't bring friends over because you don't know how he's going to respond, what's going to happen. Um, so it can be very isolative, also. It can, and and the simple education. Um, had that been spun around a little bit, and, and Dr. Duke, we were talking about the age at which mm-hmm. you, you commented that 11 is not that uncommon. No, um, very common. I, I thought I was setting records, but um, <laughs> it, I joke about that, but it's not because I had several friends with me at that time. And I've talked with people that started at seven or eight. I've even talked with people whose parents have started them on whatever their drug of choice or alcohol is. So it, it's, it starts so early, and we're talking about young people. How do they know how to get out of this problem? All they know is, hey, wow, I take this, and I feel really good. And no direction on, well, no discussion on it, and, and no real discussion on it, other than don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't do it, it's bad. And I, I, I know from hard-won experience that nothing is going to stop me from doing that based on shame or based on, uh, you know, guilt or any of those things. It's going to have to come with a better education. Well, but those bad feelings will encourage you to take drugs to make you feel better. So it's, it's an Continue endless, to self-medicate. End, yeah. endless cycle. It is an endless cycle. So other than... than family discussions and things, that's, that's moving forward. But the folks that are already so deep in this, raise your hand. Mm. Say, I need help. That's, that's the whole key here. If this is a medical diagnosis, not a shame diagnosis. A hundred percent. And uh, not only is it a medical diagnosis, it is chronic, it is progressive, and it's got a really bad outcome untreated. It's yes. not something you typically survive. It, no. it's, it's not. No. And it is such a slow, slow progression in the, in the beginning. It, it's well disguised. And again, I think, that, uh, I think that conversations like this are things that, that just have to become more the normal type of conversation. It, it, it's a disease of addiction. If you got it, raise your hand and let's talk about mm-hmm. it. Because it is treatable. It is possible to put into remission. It is treatable and it is not a shameful thing. In fact, excuse me, I tell my clients, pat yourself on the back. You have made a difficult lifestyle change and they should be proud of themselves that they have done this hard work in taking care. Ask a diabetic. You know, it's not easy to be a diabetic. It's not. You have to take medication. A lot of people have to take injections every day. I would hate to have to inject myself every day. I'm, I'm just chicken about giving myself a shot. But they do that every day, and they stay on a healthy diet. And nobody says, oh, shame on you. You're a diabetic. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And, and that is, uh, again, my, my biggest goal, and, and our goal is PR recovery to... Uh, to destigmatize what's going on here, but once you're in the middle of it, we have to recognize that we have to uh, we have to come in and, and make some significant changes. Mm-hmm. 
Susan, I'm assuming that's not easy to do. I'm not a, I'm, I, I am in the rooms, uh, I'm in the 12-step rooms, and, and based on traditions, I don't identify that, but I will say the 12-step programs of recovery have been a huge part of my life, and that's what recovery looks like after you leave our program, and that has to be part of a really great comprehensive plan. That 12, that is my insulin. That That is how I maintain. That's how I stay in remission. Um, organizations like Not a Glum Lot, organizations like Atomic Souls, Rise Recovery, those are, that. that's my insulin. The, the Your support system. The support system, the connections that are made um, that start often in residential treatment or in some type of counseling and treatment. And, I, you know, Susan, I, I, I watch your sessions, I watch your group sometimes from afar and and I'm just amazed because everyone, once they're educated, very few people want to live like this. No, they don't want to live like that. Um, it, you know, at, at the beginning, you talked about the high at 11 years old for marijuana. But by the time, usually, they get to recovery and they get to treatment, that drug is turned on them. And it's no longer fun. It has them. They don't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and within that um their whole life most of the time has has is gone um funny story it was fourth of july a friend of mine uh, told me he said susan i want you to tell other people this i wanted a treatment on fourth of july number one who goes into treatment on fourth of july mm-hmm. um but he said they asked me did you lose anything due to your addiction he said, he said, I honestly said no. He didn't have a car. He didn't have a house. He didn't have a job. He didn't have his children relationships any longer. He didn't have a wife. He lost it all. But to him, it wasn't due to his addiction. Of course not. No. It was, it was all. He, he had no clue. He had no insight into what this addiction this drug his drug happened to be alcohol had taken from him and in those 30 days that he spent in treatment he began began to be enlightened um it's not over in 28 days um i think we had a question what does recovery look like recovery looks like a balanced life not not only 12 step 12 steps a vital part but a balanced life is having relationships with your kids, good, healthy relationships, healthy, healthy relationship with your significant other, having an employment that you enjoy, hopefully, um, having good, well-balanced diet, exercise, a well-balanced life. That's what recovery looks like without alcohol and drugs. And also, the, the neat part that I get to see in, in our program is that they come in down and out and you get to see them with joy, true joy and contentment. And that to me can't be bought. No way. We get to experience that and see that. We do. And, and you know, I'm, I, Dr. Stewart, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking of some of his words also when, he, when, when Dr. Stewart says often that the drugs and alcohol just hijack your reward system. You yeah. are given the reward by the substance and the consequences 
that you face don't even come close to what that reward is given um, or, or you receive. And you just chase that reward and you start making decisions based solely on the reward of the, of the substance that you're using and nothing else matters. And then that reward ceases to exist and the consequences at some point outrun it. And, you know, by that time, there's a saying in our literature, and I won't identify that litter, but it says, when we come to a point that we can no longer function with or without the use of drugs. Wow. With or without the use of drugs, what is there left to do? Jails, institutions, and death. I've tried two out of the three. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, I found recovery. And my reward system is, you know, my, my grandson is down here from Michigan. My daughter's down here. My mm-hmm. My rewards I will receive today are, uh, there's no comparison, none. And it is a result of some hard work in putting addiction into uh, my substance use disorder into remission. Uh, we're going we're gonna to take a break here in just a minute, and uh, we'll be right back again. Folks, if you want to join us, 512-836-0590, call or text. Um, We will be back here in just a minute with uh, the last segment of the Recovery Hour. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss a show every Sunday at noon. Go to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com to learn more. Now, back to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ with Dr. Kirby Stewart. And welcome back to the Recovery Hour. Uh, Dr. Stewart's visiting uh, family, a much, much deserved uh, break today. And uh, I'm Mark Myers with Personal Responsibility Recovery. And our incredible guest today, uh, Susan Turner, our clinical director, and uh, Dr. Duke, uh, one of our, our medical doctors and counselors that, you know, allows us to, uh, allows us to approach substance use disorder, the disease of addiction, the disease of alcoholism, Maybe in a little bit different direction. Um, we've been talking a lot about education today. Been talking. I'm probably going to be told too much about personal experience today, but you know, I'm Doctor Duke. You you mentioned it earlier. I I, I am kind of proud of the fact that I made those changes. Well, um, it's hard work. It's hard work, but and to make major lifestyle changes is hard work. It it is, and. Probably the single biggest gift I've been given as a recovering addict is a 30-year-old daughter that has never seen me under the influence Mm -hmm. and the ability to not shy away from talking about the disease of addiction. I I was 25 when I I found recovery and, uh, you know, to be able to recognize that depression is a part of our family. It's a part of my wife's family. It's a... There is some underlying issues that have to be acknowledged, have to be treated, have to be talked about because self-medication doesn't work. I tried that, and, and you know, I, if there was a Hall of Fame for addicts, I'd probably be in it. But, I mean, it's, it's the education is what breaks that. The knowledge is what breaks that. Professionals such as yourselves is what breaks that. And, uh, yeah. It... You, you looked like you wanted I'm, to say something. I'm, I'm sorry. No, sorry <laughs> yes. I was thinking about so, uh, I, I, I think the fact that you can be proud of it is what we need, is part of the word we need to get out to people, is that this is hard work. And, you know, we want you to pat yourself on the back, and we want to pat you on the back. But I think it's really important you brought up the, what we call dual diagnosis, that many people have underlying anxiety, depression, various other 
uh, PTSD is one of the ones Susan has worked with in the VA. And when they're using, they're self-medicating. They're trying to do something about those awful feelings they have. And so, for me, and that's why we have a psychiatrist on our, in our group, because some people do need medication for that dual diagnosis so that it takes away the reason that they're using. And then, then we can also, we work with them then on the lifestyle change that makes it last, hopefully, the rest of their life. What, what does recovery look like to you, Susan? I think I said it a few minutes ago, but um, it's about a balanced life. It's about exactly. a changed change lifestyle. Exactly. Um, it is all of those things I spoke of earlier, uh, getting into balance. Mm-hmm. Um, with, and for our program, helping our clients realize that life doesn't end when they have to stop using. Um, I've had veterans come up to me and say, well, I guess I'll never have fun again. Yeah. And I turn oh. that around and say, when you came in here, were you having fun? Was life, a, a, you know, just a, a wonderful, uh, content lifestyle? I don't think so, or you wouldn't be here. Typically, you don't find the rooms of recovery and uh, residential treatment if everything's just going great. Right. It's, it's not something that you just check out from time to time. Uh, again, 512-836-0590. Uh, call or text um, with any questions. And I, I know that we have kind of a habit here at PR Recovery. Dr. Loving came out of retirement to uh, become our medical director. Dr. Kirby Stewart came out of retirement to be our executive director. Uh, I know both of you ladies, uh, I guess you just love the field of addiction. Is that a is that a fair statement, Absolutely. Susan? Very Dr. fair statement Absolutely. for both of us. It is such a joy to me to watch my clients improve make all the lifestyle changes and just the look on their face changes as they work through this this chronic disease to me that is so rewarding and that's why I came out of retirement when you asked me if I would come work with your program and I I really enjoy it and I I love our patients they're they're neat people with a terrible disease well and I think that that's probably a fair statement. I've, I've, I know a lot of addicts that, you know, again, through education, through getting this disease in remission, getting it into a, a managed where it's an aftercare type of thing, most addicts are pretty cool people. Most oh, are yes. very, very, they're almost empaths. They're, they're, they feel the world. They I'm not at all ashamed to say I'm part of the recovery community today. And there was a long period of my life where I was ashamed to say that I was part of the substance use disorder. I'm not responsible for the disease of addiction and how it affected my life, but I am responsible for my recovery. And that's something that we say in in the rooms all the time, the 12-step rooms of recovery, is that you are responsible for your recovery. It takes some work. And uh, that work is uh, an ongoing process. But the foundation of that work has to start with some pretty knowledgeable people. And and Susan is our clinical director. I know you have a whole curriculum of things. And again, I'm an addict. I'm I'm 
actually a photographer by trade. <laughs> so there's a lot of words and things thrown around, modalities and, and how we treat and all of the clinical things. There seems to be this whole, I don't know, uh, mystified or, or mystic, what is what is treatment? What is uh, What do we call treatment? What, what do we do? What, what does that look like? Our program, um, and I think first and foremost, um, which we could not do at the VA where I was, and that was 12-step. Um, I, I think 12-step has worked for since 1932. I think it's still going to work tomorrow. It's still working today. Um, Just for today. Yeah, we use it, um, and, and we use it very well. Um, and you hired me, um, and I distinctly remember when I, I interviewed, I thought, well, they probably won't want me because... I'm not a 12-step person. That's not my background. Um, I'm a clinician. I'm a therapist. And you said, no, that's exactly what we want. Exactly. Um, and I said, oh, okay, then, then this might go forward. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer in therapy also. Cognitive behavioral therapy uh, works. Uh, changing your thoughts to change how you feel. Those things work. They seem real simple, but they, they work. Um, and so that's that's the viewpoint. I think I can talk for Dr. Duke too because we we agree on this, and that's that's what we use. Um, it's certainly not all that I use. I use some reality therapy. In fact, I use some on Friday um, <laughs> with a young man. Um, reality therapy, um, the old rational emotive therapy, and if anybody's out there that has that's my age or older, you will understand that therapy very well. Um, but those go hand in hand in what we do. Um, we have to remember we only have 28 days. We don't, can't open up something we can't close. Um, and it, it continues once they leave our, our program. We have often said we don't know what flavor of crazy someone's going to be when they come in. But whatever it is, I don't believe any treatment center can cure that in 28 days or 60 days or even 90-day programs. But what we can do is give you a foundation so solid, a toolbox with every tool in it that you need to maintain sobriety, to maintain living without the compulsive, obsessive use of drugs. Because the moment those re-enter the picture, then all bets are off because everything else, you know, the, the self-medication starts. All of the work on oneself stops. So... First and foremost, and, and I know we're always wanting to, to a two-hour show because we're <laughs> running out of time again, but Dr. Duke, I, I know how important the underlying medical issues also. Sometimes there is some some medications that's needed. There's, there's There's things that have to be addressed. That's what we call the dual diagnoses, that they, they, are, they are self-medicating their disease of addiction. The other thing I'd like to point out quickly is that Several of our staff members are in recovery. Most. Yes, most, most all of them, as a matter of fact. And so they have inside knowledge of what it's like to go through this process. And I think that is so important to our clients to see you and the other people as role models that, golly, you did it. Maybe I can. It's been a long time since I was called a role model. I'm still a little <laughs> uncomfortable with that. And I well, joke pat about yourself that, of on course. The back. Because you're a great role model. Well, thank you. It, it, it is, you know, again, 
I can't thank you all so much for spending a, an hour of your time on a Sunday afternoon, especially on a holiday on mm-hmm. a holiday weekend. Um, you know, this is Independence Day, and and last year we commented that Independence Day doesn't mean much for someone who is suffering the disease of addiction or substance use disorder because you don't have any independence. It's been robbed from you. Mm-hmm. And uh, true independence for me is to not have be in active addiction, as they call it. I'm, I'm in remission, and uh, that's something that I'm, I will forever be grateful for. But use us as a resource. As we wind down here today, uh, of course, want everybody to have a, a great and safe holiday weekend, um, and happy Fourth of July to everybody. But if you are facing some need for advice, for counseling, for, for anything, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. Send us an email. We have a long list of resources. We have a long list of counselors. We have a long list of programs that are available. This is not something you have to do by yourself. It's not something really that you can do by yourself. Recovery is a team sport. Um, Again, Dr. Duke, Susan, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll be back next week.